Good morning, afternoon, evening. Welcome to the 8311 cast, episode 36, featuring your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. On this week's episode of the 8311 cast, we're going to be bringing all things sports to your beautiful ears, including the NBA, the NHL, Formula One, your weekly turtle tab, which leads directly into the MLB segment, featuring our signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions. So it's been quite a week for uh, NBA stuff, mostly regarding the you know NBA draft and whatnot. I assume yeah. we're going to talk about that somewhat today, and something about like Formula One, some room room stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm pretty pumped. The, 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 that's literally what you just said. So now you just sound like you're repeating yourself again. No, see, everybody so. forgot about it because there was like intro music. You know, I mean, you, you heard the intro music. It happened, and then everyone forgot what we were talking about. So oh, is, is it like Mind Erase intro yeah. music? Yeah, okay. especially formulated by the the military to wipe your mind. It's like the, the brown note thing that they were researching, but it's actually like a mind erase thing. Okay, but yeah. why did, how did you get a hold of it? Don't ask that question, otherwise I'd have to kill you. All right, sounds good. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy being alive, so I'm just going to start talking about the NBA. Very good. The, the, the NBA draft did happen. Wyatt is correct about that. <laughs> I um, knew something. There were two, two Cyclones that were taken in the NBA draft, both of them in the second round. The first one of those was Taylor Horton Tucker, um, taken in the second round, pick 46. He was technically taken by the Magic, but actually taken by the Lakers. We'll get into that in a little bit. And um, so he'll be on the Lakers. And then Mariel Shayok, surprising second Cyclone that was taken. A lot of people thought if the second Cyclone's drafted, it would have been Wigington. But it was actually Muriel Shayok who was taken in pick 54 by the Philadelphia 76ers. So those two Cyclones got drafted. A very good showing for the Cyclones. Two players drafted is a very good number. Uh, just a little fun fact. The Cyclones are the only team in the nation to have two football players drafted, two basketball players drafted, and one women's basketball player drafted. Only school in the nation that can boast that. So that's pretty cool from the Cyclones. You that took was, my fun fact that I was going to put out there. Be quicker, Kyle. You, you see, if you would have started talking, you would have gotten the fun fact, but you let me start talking this time. Do you want to fill everybody in on where the other three uh, Cyclones that were draft uh, eligible ended up? Yeah, so the other three Cyclones who decided not to come back to play uh, next year were Cameron Lard, Nick Weiler-Babb, well, obviously Weiler-Babb because he was a senior, and Lindell Wigington, um, and both are all three of them have signed summer league de- or they have signed deals. Um, Wigington's deal was just a summer league deal with the Toronto Raptors. So he's going back to his home country, his native country. Oh, uh, Canada. Uh, okay. I'm done now. Yeah. Thanks Mike. And uh, no Nick Weiler Bab will be heading to sunny south florida he will be uh playing with the miami heat this summer and cameron lard will also be heading uh to a little bit of a different kind of magic instead of hilton magic he'll be playing with the orlando magic um Mm, that was clever yeah yeah i I saw a tweet about that today so uh you can't admit to that but you just gotta roll with it (laughs) well i admitted to it 
Also, just a clarification, they probably won't actually be really going to those cities. I mean, the NBA Summer League is all played in Las Vegas. Yeah, that is so, true. And if those people don't make it out of the Summer League, then, you know, but, I mean, your I mean, point... Las Vegas is sunny and magical, I suppose. Not, if it is not in South Florida, though. That's true. It, it is, is not. not. It is, it not is in the desert. Yeah. So, but yes, they, they did all get summer league deals, which means, uh, so, so far they're only good for the summer league, but obviously they can turn into G league deals or two way deals or NBA deals, um, later in the, uh, after the summer league, depending on how they play. And that summer league, um, starts on July 5th is when the NBA summer league starts. So it's coming up real quick here. You got free agency that starts July 1st, I think is the date in the NBA, and then the summer league starts right after that, and then training camp and right back into the season. The NBA does a really good job with um, keeping keeping everything rolling, keeping the uh, keeping people interested even in the off season. The NFL does a good job of that too, but the NBA is probably the best sport at keeping everybody engaged at all times throughout the season, even when games aren't being played. And the summer, but, it's it's noted like it's. Uh, worth noting that the summer league isn't for uh, your top of the line free agents or your top of the line, like premium NBA players. You, LeBron James will never play in a summer league. No. Um, Kevin Durant will never play in a summer league. Kyrie Irving will never play. It's for players who have just been drafted players who are, uh, have been playing on G league teams who are trying to earn a spot on an NBA roster um, and other people that they want to try out potentially who have been playing um, on different teams around the world who they have signed to um, a summer league deal. And occasionally you will get some NBA players. Obviously not your stars, but like Josh Okogie for the Timberwolves. He was a regular for the Timberwolves. He wasn't a starter, but he was a regular, got playing time. He said he's going to play in the summer league this year too. So I you do get some Naz, NBA players. I think Naz so. Long played in the summer league twice. And yeah. Monte Morris might have done so as well. Yeah, so you see you see some NBA players come back to the summer league. If they got part of their game they want to work on or stuff they can come back to. So it's not there's nothing against stars playing in the summer league. It's not like against the rules. They just don't do it if they don't have anything they really can benefit from playing in the summer league. So Yeah. And summer league of, Oh, sorry. Yeah, Go ahead. Summer League good for development. A lot of the players that play in the summer league won't actually see the floor in the NBA, at least not for a couple of years, if at all. So, Speaking of star players and how the NBA keeps things rolling, we move into the NBA uh, awards that are being held tonight, Monday night, actually. Um, and I t- just saw a tweet while I'm trying to watch for the announcement of the MVP uh, honor for this year. And... This tweet says the NBA awards feels like a three hour meeting covering material that could have been covered in one single email. So yeah. uh, apparently Shaq did a dance on stage. Uh, that's what I got from Twitter tonight. Um, and that's about it. But okay. other than that, the rookie of the year has already been announced and that was given to Luka Doncic. Uh, he w- uh, had a phenomenal year for the Dallas Mavericks and he was the, uh, wah, to that wah, team. Wah. That's a breaking news alert. Breaking news: the NBA MVP has just been announced. As you're stalling, it here, waiting for it to be announced. It is Giannis Antetokounmpo. No surprise the there. NBA MVP. 
You really I agree. I think news. that was what? Like by the time the people who actually listen to this listen to this, that's not going to be breaking news at all. But it's breaking news for us as we're recording. That's this. fair. That's fair. And Sorry, that's I just didn't not actually with a fun noise. And I, so I far, make, I really I thought wanted you were, to make that fun noise. That I thought really you were making Maverick noises, and I was really confused. I don't know what noise Maverick makes. So that was I assumed to... it was that. I assumed you knew what they made, and that's what you were doing. <laughs> really what is a Maverick? Is it is it an animal, or is it just... It's a bird, isn't it? Is it? I don't know. But, I think it's a bird. but their logo is like a... It's a horse. Right. I just Googled <laughs> Maverick, logo. and it says it's an unbranded calf or a yearling. Oh, there you go. So, so it's a horse or a cow or yeah, some sort that's of... That's not branded. Okay. Interesting. So the Milwaukee Bucks, back to basketball, have pretty much taken a sweep of the NBA awards now that they have uh, an MVP in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, their head coach won Coach of the Year, and their executive, or their vice president, won Executive of the Year. That's just a service award hey you did a good job uh creating a good team um other than that sick uh, uh defensive player of the year was rudy gobert for the utah jazz um all-around rim protector and shot blocker great player defensively um great fantasy player if you ever pl- are playing fantasy basketball and you need a, a stat monster he's great for that uh and six man of the year was lou williams for the, the, the third straight year third straight year yeah so he was he's the only the second person to do that ever um and oh, i'm blanking on the other person who did that uh, uh, ooh, uh ooh, i saw it earlier i did I'm probably too. not gonna be able to find it but I'm i saw it earlier name. i'm gonna have to dig really deep on this twitter feed right now I'll probably find it before you. Anyway, one thing that I uh, don't like about the NBA, we're going to go back to the draft for a minute while Kyle's digging for that information, is that, um, so the NBA, right, you can't officially make trades until the new league year starts, which is on, like, July 6th, right, is when the new league year starts. That means technically all the trades, so there was a record 23 trades uh, of draft picks this year in the NBA. And technically, since the league year hadn't started yet, right, the trades haven't officially gone through. So that means, like, for example, the Pelicans, right, they traded away the number four pick to the uh, Atlanta Hawks, right? But that trade couldn't become official. So that means that, and since the Pelicans had acquired that pick from the Lakers, that means what had to happen is the Lakers had to officially make that suggest, uh, selection for the player that the Hawks wanted, and then that player had to come up on stage and get pictures of the Lakers hat and a Lakers jersey, and the Lakers executives had to talk about how uh, they just drafted, uh, what was it, uh, Hunter out of Virginia. Yeah, and it really just makes Hunter. no sense. Like, just, ch- just change the make those trades happen it just saves a ton of confusion on draft night it saves a ton of you know just awkwardness where teams are wearing players are wearing hats for teams they're not going to play for that's why i said taylor horton tucker was technically taken by the magic instead of the lakers because the magic could trade the pick to the lakers but you can't trade anyway confusing they need to fix that they very much kind of interesting 
Why like, though? That, it's that that's it's, one of those stupid things that's mildly interesting, but I don't know. I just think it's kind of entertaining. You know? I mean, those so nuances, I, those the, the, those weird rules. Right. So right, but in the NBA even condones the trades because the NBA approves these trades as they have, like as they're announced. The NBA approves them because unlike in other sports, the NBA has the power to. The league has a power to eject a trade if it's unfair. I think they did that with an Anthony Davis deal a long time ago yeah. where they just yeah. straight up rejected that deal. Or maybe it was a Chris Paul trade. I think it was a Chris Paul trade or out of New Orleans. It was it was something to do with New Orleans. But in, anyway, so the NBA has approved these moves. So like, yes, these can happen, but not yet, which is just stupid. They should just let them happen. I mean, if – because – Baseball has the same thing where you can't trade draft picks, but unlike the NBA where you can trade draft picks or you can trade those players like a week and a half after the draft, in baseball you have to wait four months to trade those players. So that essentially completely eliminates the trading of draft picks in baseball, which the NBA doesn't accomplish anything with this. I don't know. They just need to get rid of it. It's contrived and stupid. It makes the NBA look bad. I agree with Mike on that one. That's not even... That's not even a who's pissed off segment this week, and I just got a little yeah. fired up. So, yeah. well, we'll we'll calm you down a little bit because i i found the I found the uh, answer to our uh, uh, to the question that we had earlier. So, the other person to have won it to have won it three times, not necessarily three times in a row, was Jamal Crawford, who also played for the Los Angeles Clippers at one point. Um, and not to discredit anything else, the Moment of the year, uh, we should talk or give credit to Derrick Rose, who has who had a great comeback season for the Minnesota Timberwolves. His 50-point game um, was the moment of the year in the NBA. And the only Toronto Raptor to win an award this year was Pascal Siakam, who was the most improved player of the year. Very nice. NBA awards. All well and good. Now it's time for free agency. Yep. In like a week. About a yep. week is when that starts. But the NHL draft also happened, um, which didn't get much coverage. The biggest thing that came out of the NBA draft was uh, all-star defenseman P.K. Subban was traded from the Nashville Predators to the New Jersey Devils for uh, – Two players, one current NHL player and one prospect, and two second-round picks, one for this year and one for the upcoming uh, draft. That was the big deal. I don't think anybody expected him to get traded. I'm not sure what Nashville was thinking doing that. I haven't necessarily seen a good explanation for it. But apparently people just like to trade P.K. Subban. He uh, got traded by the uh, Canadiens to uh, Nashville about three years ago for Shea Weber which was another trade that nobody saw coming at the time. So apparently people just like to surprise P.K. Subban and trade him when nobody expects it. Just like to keep him on his toes for some reason. But that was the biggest thing. And frankly, you probably might not have even heard about the NHL draft if if you're not following the NBA on um, some channel. And the reason that happens is... That that that's ESPN's fault, and this is this is why I'm actually pissed off this week. It's because ESPN's lack of coverage of hockey. Like, like I get it. The reason ESPN doesn't cover hockey is because right ESPN doesn't have any contract to broadcast hockey. Right? Think about all the other sports: football, basketball, soccer, 
it's set baseball, right? ESPN has contracts that broadcast all these other sports, right? Monday night football, Sunday night baseball, etc. Right? So ESPN wants to promote the content that right that people are gonna watch on their network. So right, so I get why they don't do it, but it still frustrates me that it's one of the most popular sports in America. It's more popular than soccer, right? Right now, right, the NHL draft is an, it's an important thing, but ESPN just doesn't care. They'd rather talk for three and a half hours about where Kawhi Leonard is going to go instead of, um, instead of covering the NHL draft with the same fervor that they covered the uh, NBA draft just the night before. I'm just, and during the season, even during like the playoffs, you'll have one or two segments about hockey and the rest of it will be NFL free agency or baseball spring training or the NBA playoffs. The NHL doesn't get its due. That's part of the reason why the NHL is lagging behind in popularity is because ESPN won't cover it despite it already being popular. ESPN should cover more hockey because hockey's fun. End of rant. Wyatt, I think you're the one who gets to talk next. Well, that's because we're doing a hard left turn down into Formula One Street where we're going to be talking about from room stuff now that Mike's not pissed off anymore. I mean, I still right. am, but well, I'm but quiet now. We're not in the segment anymore. So we're, we can go we're, backwards. I mean, if you want, I do no, have I some time with Wakington at one point, but that's really far back. So it's okay. they they don't they don't back up much in IndyCar. Well, fun fact: Formula One cars do actually have a reverse gear. Did you know that? Interesting. I did, I did not- know that. Did you really? I didn't know that until relatively recently. I I actually did know that. Valtteri Bottas actually had to back up when he was pulling into the the, the uh, winner's circle in the first one or two races of the season. I don't remember where it was at now off the top of my head. It was the, one of the really small places where they pull into the one, two, three spots before they go up to the podium. Anyway, they have a risk here. That's not what we're talking about. We're going to be talking about the French Grand Prix, which happened this past Sunday. Uh, but before we get into that, if you guys recall on last week's episode, episode 35 of the 8311 cast, we talked about how Sebastian Vettel got a penalty for leaving the track and rejoining it unsafely in the Canadian Grand Prix, which was two weeks prior to the French Grand Prix. And that that penalty cost him the win. He did cross the checkered line, the the finish line first, and then was kind of usurped by Lewis Hamilton due to the five-second penalty, which in my opinion still was complete crap. So Ferrari still had the opportunity to appeal this decision um, that the FIA made with the five-second penalty thing, as long as they had substantial evidence that wasn't available to either the FIA stewards or Ferrari at the time of the incident or before the race ended. So they prevented some, or prevented, they uh, presented some evidence to the FIA that was supposed to kind of sway them and say, hey, you know, maybe he didn't deserve this penalty. They presented this evidence, and the FIA was like, hey, this evidence is complete crap. We're not going to even hear this at all. We're done. We're done. Case is settled. Ferrari is not going to be able to uh, dispute the fact that Sebastian Vettel got a five-second penalty in Canada. Lewis Hamilton is the winner you know, by, by default. And this is because what Ferrari presented was complete crap. <laughs> they presented a um, – Sky Sports is kind of the ESPN of the U.K., they did a piece on this right after the race ended, kind of going over what Sebastian Vettel did, why he did it, etc. And also the helmet cam from Sebastian Vettel or something similar 
those are the only two pieces of evidence that they, they gave to the FIA. Let's look over this again. And the FIA looked at this and was like, we already had the helmet cam, basically. And the other piece of evidence you brought was a third party going over the incident. This is crap. So, essentially, <laughs> the, the penalty stands. Ferrari is completely SOL on this. Um, there's no significant evidence. In case anybody was wondering, I'm sure you guys were on the edge of your seats this entire week wondering what was going to happen. But that's it. Canadian Grand Prix is an open and shut case. We all got a second. Moving into the French Grand Prix, which happened this past Sunday, it was at the circuit Paul Ricard in La Castellette, France. Southern France, very hot down there, lots of vineyards. Uh, this track is really known for being squirrely. It's a very slick track. It was just resurfaced last year, which was supposed to help with some of those issues, and it really didn't help at all. So they resurfaced some of the corners again for the, this year's Grand Prix, which didn't really help all that much, in, in my opinion. Before we even get to the race, uh, for both of your guys' information and for our viewers, there is three practice sessions that F1 drivers are allowed, free practice one, two, and three. And then there's three qualifying sessions, quality one, two, and three, and then the actual race. During free practice two, Lewis Hamilton actually spun out a bit, did a little donut, and then rejoined the track, forcing Max Verstappen off the track because he rejoined in an unsafe manner. Again, kind of nodding to the incident with Vettel in Canada. Nothing came out of this because it was a free practice session, but it was so much more blatant than than the the Vettel incident in Canada. I did link to both of these in the outline if you guys want to check them out, by the way, while I'm talking. Um, both uh, Vettel, or not Vettel, uh, Hamilton and Verstappen were summoned by the Stewards to talk about the incident after the free practice session, but again, nothing came out of it. Nothing too interesting. The starting grid for the race, 1 through 10, was Lewis Hamilton in first, Valtteri Bottas is second, so Mercedes locked out the first row. Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen with Red Bull Racing in uh, places three and four. Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz locking out row three for McLaren. Sebastian Vettel up in place uh, seven. Mm. Yep, seven. That is how you count. And then Danny Rick, Pierre Gasly, and Antonio Giovinazzi in place ten. This is kind of surprising. Sebastian Vettel didn't do quite well ending up in place seven. All this was due to error. There was no mechanical issues whatsoever. It was just his, his driving, stress levels, whatnot, um, kind of made him, you know, start in place seven. Usually he's in three or four at the, the very bottom, but seven, kind of sad. This is awesome for McLaren, though. They're starting out really strong in this race, locking out row five. Uh, fantastic for them. Um. There was a lot of issues during the race. It was actually a really boring race, to be quite honest. Um, the biggest thing that kind of caught my eye was Roman Grosjean complaining about Daniel Ricciardo leaving the track and rejoining again in an unsafe manner because everybody's going off about this just like the NFL with the uh, roughing the passer penalty. That's essentially what this whole unsafe rejoining thing is turning into, is roughing the passer penalty, in my opinion. Roman Grosjean um, was complaining about this when Danny Rick came off just one tire off the track. The actual rule itself says that you have to have all four tires off the track and then rejoin the track in an unsafe manner, where unsafe manner is a very ambiguous term. Danny Rick only put like one or two tires off the track at the time. It wasn't really that interesting. Uh, the race is, again, very uneventful. Nobody even retired until lap 47 out of 53. Uh, so six laps before the end, Roman Grosjean actually did retire. This was his home track. He is from France. So uh, that was kind of sad. The only interesting thing came 
um, with last lap, last couple laps, when Lando Norris, Daniel Ricciardo, Nico Hulkenberg, and Kimi Raikkonen, all four of them were battling for a P7 uh, to get in there. Daniel Ricciardo did leave the track and force uh, Lando Norris off unintentionally and then tried to pass Kimi Raikkonen on the right off the track. Eventually, after the fact, he was slapped with two five-second penalties, both for leaving the track the first time and forcing Lando Norris off, and the second time for passing the track and attempting to gain a place uh, with Kimi Raikkonen. Um, That was honestly the only excitement in this race. The very first penalty that he was given, the the first five-second penalty uh, against Lando Norris, I think was complete crap. If you go and watch the video back, that's that's, that's just racing. There's nothing bad about that. There was no unsafe rejoin at all. Um, Landon Norris was forced off the track, but again, rubbing is racing. That's just how it works. It was kind of annoying. Uh, the end results were Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Boltas, uh, 18 seconds behind Hamilton. Charles Leclerc, Max Verstappen, Sebastian Vettel, followed by Carlos Sainz, Kimi Raikkonen in 7th, Nico Hulkenberg in 8th, Landon Norris 9th, and Pierre Gasly in 10th. Daniel Ricciardo actually crossed the line 7th, but was pushed back to 11th with his two 5-second penalties. Um, fun fact for both of you, Williams, I was talking about them earlier towards the beginning of the season. They still have zero points. They don't have any constructor points in the entire season. Their two drivers, um, Robert Kubica and George Russell finished 18th and 19th, which were the two last place finishes in the race besides the retirement by Roman Groschan. Next up, uh, two weeks from now is the Austrian Grand Prix at the Red Bull Ring in Spielberg, Austria. Sunday, June 30th, so actually one week from now, at 8.10 a.m. Central Standard Time on ESPN2. It's your Formula 1 segment for you. I never wanted to baseball next. Are are we sure that Williams doesn't think they're playing golf? I'm not sure, actually. They they, they They don't know what they're doing. I don't think they even know which way to go around the track. Have they gone around backwards once? That'd be pretty funny. I wouldn't even be surprised, to be quite honest. That'd be pretty funny. Most tracks are clockwise. I will root yep. for them. I want them to get. I want them to get some points. I do too, because they're going to go bankrupt if they don't. They've had that issue in the past, where they almost didn't have have enough money to finish up the season. That's but unfortunate. Uh, they should. They it, should. It win really some. is. I agree. They should be better. Especially George Russell. Is, is it their driving or their engineering? What do you think? Mostly their engineering, in my okay. opinion, okay. is the issue here. They just have really slow cars. The drivers, I think, are. I wouldn't say fantastic. Robert Kubica has been really good. He's raced for Red Bull Racing at one point in time, doing really well. So, so it's engineering? Mostly. Okay. Mostly. I'm not sure about George Russell. I've never followed him a lot. I'm sure he's done a lot of stuff in uh, F2, Formula 3 probably as well. I don't know for sure off the top of my head. But to make it to F1, you have to be a pretty damn good driver. True. But True. Yeah, they do need to get their, their game together. But we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully they get some points. they got to finish the top 10 to get some points, and they haven't quite done that yet. So we'll see. That's fair. They'll get there. They'll get there. I have faith. I have faith. But do you know who I definitely have more faith in than Williams Racing? Baseball savior Willens Astadio. And we have a ton of great news to report on this week's weekly turtle tab with La Tortuga. He got called back up to the majors this week. On Tuesday night, he uh, or Wednesday morning, he got the call back up to the majors after uh, the Twins played a 17-inning game on Tuesday and Marlon Gonzalez got hurt in the middle of it, went on the DL, and Willens Astadio came back on Wednesday. And he did uh, not 
he was obviously upset that he got sent to AAA, and he did not waste much time um, showing his frustration. In his first two at-bats, he saw two total pitches and had two hits, including a almost 400-foot home run to left center field on his first two at-bats. So it was very good to see him back and hitting. Um, he will probably stay on the roster until some of the twins start to get healthy. Byron Buxton, Marlon Gonzalez, and A.R. Adrianza are all on the DL right now. So uh, Ostadio will stay until some of those players come back. But as always, he made an entertaining play in the field. So as you know, his primary position is catcher, but he can play anywhere. He was playing at third base um, over the weekend in Kansas City. And apparently he, he was chasing a, uh, a pop-up in foul territory. And apparently his catcher's instincts uh, just uh, kicked in because he was going after the foul ball. And then all of a sudden you see him just grab his hat off his head and jettison it to the side as if it was like a catcher's mask. And then he runs down the, uh, the pop-up in foul territory. So apparently it's uh, tough to break those old catcher habits as uh, Ostadio was uh, jettisoning, his, jettisoning his ball cap to catch a pop-up, even though he was playing third base as opposed to catcher. Pretty interesting play. Uh, then uh, shortstop gave him back his hat and rubbed his head, and Ostadio didn't appreciate that, so he hit the shortstop. It was a pretty entertaining encounter. Not quite like Adrian rubbing Adrian Beltre's head level, but it was still a pretty interesting encounter. So, Willens Ostadio, that's it. Great guy. Follow him. Keep track of him. Hopefully he stays up in the majors for a while. And we can have some fun. Uh, Kyle, I guess that's the end of our turtle tab. So you don't want to talk about a bad baseball team here so we can get that over with and talk about good baseball teams after that? They've been playing better this week. They I mean, had a, They had an overall good week. Uh, I mean, they, they went they're five and five in the last ten. So, I mean, I guess Which is that the is same as the Twins. That's true, but when you're winning, I, and I guess that is good when your winning percentage is 346. Yeah, 500 yeah, so is good. So it is. Winning it is a good week three. for the Royals. They, mm-hmm. but they had a four and three week, as Mike mentioned. They were five and five in the last ten. Uh, they won a series against the Mariners in Seattle, and then split a four game set with the second best team in baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this team can never play as a whole team all together. Um, so one of my, what I consider the three major aspects of baseball always seems to fail. The wheel falls off the tricycle and then it becomes a a poorly built bicycle. Um, that being hitting, starting pitching and the bullpen, like relief pitching. What about Um, defense? You forgot about defense. Defense is the Royals. We are actually hitting, pitching and defense, hitting, pitching, defense. Those are the three. But I'm going to break it down into starting pitching and relief pitching because they okay, never the, correlate the, with the, the Royals. But the Royals got to have defense, a four-wheeler because defense Royals, has to be in there. The Royals' defense is always fine. The Royals' defense is always... They are one of the best defensive teams in baseball. I will give them Even that. though they're one of the worst teams in baseball, they will still always be one of the best defensive teams in baseball because mm-hmm. that is one of their things that they always preach during spring training. They play but, fundamentally sound baseball. But... As I alluded to earlier, starting pitching this week has been good. Um, Mm -hmm. And recently they have one of the uh, best starting rotation ERAs in the American League. I believe that's over the past week and a half or so. Um, But the bullpen has been an absolute 
bust. They have been blowing leads, blowing ball games, um, and it's been left up to the offense to try and catch back up, tie the games, take it into extras, and then the bullpen gives it up again. The At the start of the year, Scott Barlow was a very, very consistent pitcher who we could bring in to get strikeouts. Now he's we're bringing him in, and he's giving up one or two runs an inning. Um, and Jake Diekman, who is going to be a great trading piece, we believe, has now decided that apparently he wants to stay with the Royals because he's playing himself into not being a tradable option for the Royals anymore. Um, so, yeah, it's just been everything's been up and down. Um, some things work at one time and then other things fall apart. That's kind of how it goes. Um, but the, some sad news, Alberto Mondesi uh, slid into home plate, had a collision with Omar Navarez from the Seattle Mariners, and he now has a groin injury. So the MLB's uh, leader in triples and stolen bases is now on the injured list um, for at least the minimum of 10 days. Uh, they believe that he'll be back in 12 so hope it'll be good to have him back um, as his replacement is playing good defense but can't hit the broadside of a barn at the plate. Um, so he's been bad. Uh, but Hunter Dozier is back, and he's picked up right where he's left off. He's been playing uh, phenomenally. Um, he already has a three-run home run since he's come back, that being against Twins pitching. Um, and it's just good to have him back for the team. And in my opinion... And in a lot of the uh, minds of the Royals beat writers, he will mean more to the Royals organization in years to come than Eric Hosmer did for the Royals in their stretch from when he got called up in 2011 through 2015. So it's good to, good to have Hunter Dozier back. Um, he's he's one of two people on the active roster hitting over 300. Um, and another unfortunate, uh, in other unfortunate news, um, Lucas Dudu is back on the team, um, and he's still hitting absolute doo-doo. He's bad. He's hitting like 160. Yeah. Uh, That's not he, good. He snapped dur- on this, uh, during this week, he snapped a one for 32 or an O for 32 with a single, um, that he managed to squibble through an overshift. I don't know how. Um, but he did, and he's absolute doo-doo, and he should just be released, similar to how Chris Owings was. Give other players a chance when old veteran guys can't do anything. He's, he's wasting time for a young player to get major league experience. This team is going nowhere fast, um, and they just need to bring somebody back up, get them big league experience, and get rid of an absolute dud on their current uh, roster. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, uh, as uh, Kyle touched on in his Royals segment, the Twins had what, by their standards, is a uh, little bit of a down week, even though it's a good week for the uh, for the Royals. You can't say this team is slumping. They still haven't lost three consecutive games on the year. They have not been in a slump at all. But, I mean, relative to what they have been doing, they're in a slump. Because, you know, when your winning percentage is 650 and you win 5 out of 10, that's 
that's a little bit worse than normal. But really the problem with this team is they're dealing with a lot of injuries right now. As I mentioned earlier, they've got those three um, players, um, Gonzalez and uh, Adrianza and Buxton, all on the DL. Um, Mitch Garver is also dealing with some heel soreness after catching 17 innings in a 17-inning victory against the Boston Red Sox on Tuesday night in a game that went for almost six hours. Um, And uh, Jonathan Scope is also dealing with some hamstring and ankle issues. So that's five or that's four twin starters and then uh, a fifth bench player from the beginning of the year, all of which who are... uh, all of which you are dinged up right now. And the Twins lineup has suffered a little bit because of it. But, I mean, overall, it's still uh, still a good week. There's still an eight-game lead in the AL Central for this Twins team. So that's very good. That's very encouraging. The Indians are still way behind. We're still uh, looking forward to October, some playoff baseball. But the biggest thing, um, the biggest storyline, I guess, for the Twins this week has been Miguel Sano. There's a lot of people who are, uh, there's basically a big divide amongst Twins fans about Miguel Sano. Um, over the course of, through Monday through, uh, through uh, Friday, last, uh, Monday through Thursday, he went, I think it was 0 for 18 with 10 strikeouts over the course of those uh, four games, but it was really five games because he played all 17 innings in that uh, game against the Red Sox. So that's, but then he came back this weekend and hit two home runs against the Royals. So, I mean, if you take a week and the player goes like three for three for 28 with uh, three home with two home runs and 16 strikeouts, is that acceptable? I guess is the big debate. I mean, his OPS is still North of eight fifty. So, I mean, he's still slugging the ball well, but he just strikes out all the time, and it's getting really frustrating for Twins fans. I'm still on the uh, I'm still on the Twins bandwagon here, on the Miguel Sano bandwagon here. I still think he's going to be a good player. A lot of other people who think he won't be a good player. I'm still all in on Miguel. Well, not all in on Miguel Sano. I'm still in on Miguel Sano. I think he can still be a good player, but that's the biggest thing um, for the Twins here. Um, they've got a big three-game series this week against the Tampa Bay Rays. It would be good to take two out of three there, and then all the Twins fans that are slightly panicking that the Twins are playing a little worse can, you know, just relax a little bit. Realize that they have a big lead. Just relax. Everything's fine. It's all good. We'll move on. Keep going from there. You want to talk about the Cubs a little bit, uh, Wyatt? Yeah, just a little bit. We're on a little late on time, but we'll talk about the Cubs a bit. So uh, they're still holding on to the first... The first place in the NL Central at a 5-5-1 ahead of the Brewers right now. Uh, sorry, Josh. Not sorry. Uh, we have one loss, one one loss one against the Chicago White Sox at Wrigley Field, which is pretty dope. Uh, the biggest issue right now over the past week, especially, or the, the past two weeks, was uh, a lot of fielding errors and some kind of terrible at-bats in general. Up until Javi Baez hit a huge homer in the eighth against the... Uh, Oh, gosh. I don't remember who we played. Who did we play yesterday? Oh, boy. It would have been the Mets, right? So, brave. Yeah, would have been against the Mets, which was awesome. It's not an 0-2 pitch to give the Cubbies three runs, bringing up to a 5-3 lead against against them, which was ultimately the final score. Um, it would have been super disappointing if the Cubs did lose against the Mets, being as 
they can't pitch, apparently. Their bullpen's complete trash. It's melting down worse than Chernobyl did back in the 80s. Uh, they've had 13 blown saves, leading the MLB right now in blown saves, which is really sad. So it would have been very disappointing to have them lose the series against the Mets. They, they tied them for a, a 2-2 four-game series. Uh, next up, they're going to be working in a four-game series at home versus the Braves before traveling over to Cincinnati to face the Reds to finish out the week. Cubbies are still doing good, in my opinion, to be quite honest. So that's all I got. I think we should talk about Tampa Montreal, Tampa Treal, Tampa Bay Treal. Yeah, just uh, right. three or four other notes around baseball. Um, the MLB approved um, oh. the Tampa Bay Rays to start exploring splitting um, their season between Tampa and Montreal. So the plan would be to play the first half of their season um, when it's not nice weather down in Tampa. And then when it is nice weather, you know, in the summer, play the rest of their season up in Montreal in Canada. Um, this is actually an interesting idea. You know, there'd be a lot of teams. Would they, would they be called like the the Montreal Bay X-Rays or something as a team name? <laughs> Just a lot of fun things like that being thrown That's around. Yeah, Montreal Bay X-Rays would actually be a decent team name. That's not but, bad. So, but um, I don't think this is actually going to happen because um, the uh, Rays have a lease in Tropicana Field through the 2027 season that says oh. they have to play all the home games at Tropicana Field. Oh, no. So that means um, – and the mayor of uh, St. Petersburg, which is where the Tampa Bay Rays play – they don't actually play in Tampa. What uh, came, as soon as the MLB announced this, came out with an a, a statement that basically said, "Ha ha ha ha, good joke." So uh, <laughs> he's he's not on board with this plan. So although it's an interesting idea, it's a long way away from fruition. So something to keep your eye on. Entertaining idea doesn't really come with it. Uh, another note around baseball: Albert Pujols came back to St. Louis for the first time since going signing with the Angels. Um, he got a standing ovation when he by from the St. Louis crowd, obviously when he was announced for the first time. Also, when he hit a home run off the Cardinals, the Cardinals fans gave him a standing ovation. I'm still not sure how I feel about that. Wyatt is giving a double thumbs down, so I think Wyatt is not in favor of uh, giving somebody a standing ovation when they hit a home run off you. I do not uh, agree. Kyle, what's your take on that? It, he's such a beloved player for that organization, and he did so much for them in their World Series run. Um, and he did win a World Series with them. He brought a championship to the city of St. Louis. I I don't know. It might have been a little excessive, but I, I don't hate it. I think it's good to show a player some love who gave – everything he had for that for that team when he played for them yeah but i still feel and i I was all for giving him an ovation honoring him before the games all of that he deserves all of that great player i just kind of feel like it's against the spirit of competition to give your opponent a standing ovation when he hits the home run yeah i'm not completely against it because of the circumstances but it just seemed a little weird to me but albert pujols back in st louis um third note is uh, the Mets 
it's the dog days of summer, so it's when uh, baseball teams start to implode. But the Mets specifically are starting to implode. This is what uh, Javi Baez's home run did to them. After the game, uh, a reporter asked um, the Mets manager why he left um, Seth Lugo in the ball game instead of bringing in his closer, Edwin Diaz, to face Javi Baez. And, you know, whatever it was that. And then apparently, this is how the story goes, so I don't know if it's actually true. After the interview, the uh, reporter uh, said to the Mets manager, we'll see you tomorrow, right? He's the beat writer. He's there every day. And then the Mets manager started screaming obscenities at him and telling him to get out of the locker room. And then, you know, he didn't because he's a reporter. His job is to be in the locker room. One of the Mets pitchers, I forget who it was, um, then apparently started staring him down and challenged him to a fist fight, challenged the reporter to a fist fight in the middle of the locker room, and then charged at him. It had to be restrained by uh, Noah Syndergaard and Carlos Gomez. He didn't so, challenge him to a fist fight. I mean, he said, he he said like, I'll he knock can, you out, bro, or something. Yeah. Like, he didn't with, challenge with him to a fist in fight. Too. It, it was a baseball fight where you just yell a whole bunch, and then maybe get a little close to each other, and that's it. Yeah. There was, I think it was Vargas, Var- Vargos, whatever his Might name been, is. Yeah. I think it's who it was. Jason was. Vargas? Yeah. Is that really? Guy. Yeah. He never did anything like that when he was in See, Kansas it wasn't, City. I think this was completely blown up. I'm not saying, I, I don't think the report is completely innocent here. There's no way that he said, we'll see you tomorrow in a very happy-go-lucky type. It had to have been something like a snide remark beforehand or the way he said it. I don't, I don't buy this whole story of him just saying, "We'll see you tomorrow," and then the manager and the pitcher just going off on him. I don't buy it. Yeah, I don't buy it. Also, also, just another fun fact about the Mets. So, in the Mets Cubs series, um, the Cubs, uh, so the Mets just fired their pitching coach. So it resulted in a game between the Mets and the Cubs, where the Cubs pitching coach is uh, 37 years old, and the Mets pitching coach was born in 1937. So that's just an interesting. Uh, baseball fact and you've also got your fun baseball headline of the week that i wanted to throw in there was from the seattle mariners the headline was um new study uh shows that 23 percent of great pacific garbage mass is actually mariners relief pitchers (laughs) (laughs) there's your baseball headline for the week they imploded a bit against the royals yeah uh, Kyle, you want to go into a yes. strange but true baseball injury for so the week? So this, a lot this. of a lot of you might have actually heard about this, and if you haven't seen the video, it's a very uh, funny video. Probably not for Max Scherzer, as he had to live through this. Um, but he was taking routine batting practice, in which um, his batting practice consists of practicing bunting while standing with his knees straight and not bent, um, because he's a pitcher and he only bats twice maybe three times a game tops because he's max scherzer and he pitches forever but on one he took his eye off the bat uh and the ball or eye off the ball and going into the bat and the ball struck the bat in such a way that it deflected straight up into his face specifically his nose and fractured his nose and gave him a black eye it was a bad black guy. It was a bad oh black God. guy. But props to the man. He still pitched the next day in the second game of a double hitter, double header, and I believe he had ten strikeouts in mm-hmm. said game. Mm-hmm. So still a phenomenal pitcher. Um, but next time, Max, how about you uh, 
keep follow follow the ball all the way to the bat, um, and then you won't have to follow it into your nose. Yeah, that that seems pretty fair. Seems pretty fair. Is it is it Will's time? Is I I guess I'm still upset about rules at the moment. Reluctantly, we will let you do. I think at some point in time we should take your rules segment and then figure out why rules even exist if they don't Mm. conform to the spirit of the sport that they're regulating. Because I'm still upset about the whole FIA Formula One thing right now, but that's not what this episode's about. I don't even know what this episode, this segment in this episode is about. Enlighten us, Mike. So this is a rule that came up in the 17th inning of the Twins Red Sox game on Tuesday. Um, It has to do with uh, being in the batter's box when you contact a ball. So the batter's box actually has a purpose, believe it or not. It's not just there to look pretty. So Major League rules dictate that when you make contact with the ball, you have to have both feet at a minimum touching the line's of the uh, batter's box at a minimum. So when you make, so what happened is Eddie Rosario went up to bunt um, with a runner on second and nobody out, a runner on first and nobody out in that uh, in the 17th inning, and um, he he lunged forward to bunt a breaking ball and fouled it off. But uh, Alex Cora, the Red Sox manager, got upset because he thought that Rosario's front foot was completely outside of the batter's box when he made contact, in which case um, it's a dead ball and the batter is out, is the penalty for making contact with a ball outside of the batter's box. Uh, So he got really upset at that, and he was yelling at the umpires. After the game, he looked at the replay and saw that he actually was in the box and apologized. That's neither here nor there because that's not about the rule. But yes, you have to be in the batter's box when you make contact with the ball. Otherwise, you are out with both feet in the batter's box. Um, Also, other fun facts about the batter's box, because we're talking about it. Um, When you set up, you have to set up with both feet completely inside the batter's box. You can't have, you can't set up. So you can move your feet after the pitch, but you have to set up with both feet completely in the batter's box. And if a ball, if a ball that's in play contacts you when it's in the batter's box, it's a foul ball. But if it contacts you when you're out of the batter's box, you're out. So those are just your fun facts about the batter's box because, you know, it came up in the Twins Red Sox 17-inning marathon. Make sense? Dollars. Well done. Um, Accountability session time? Yeah, that's all you, so keep talking. All right. So we had two predictions come off the board. Our first one from Wyatt. He said that Merck will not get a P1 finish in France. They got a P1 and a P2 finish in France. So for that, Wyatt gets a nah. Okay, question. Did you guys look at the picture of the track that I put in the outline? If you've never seen seen the circuit Paul Ricard, you should Google it and look at it. It's this cool circuit track, and it has all these blue and red white lines around it. Mm -hmm. And I came up with a quick poem. I came up with a poem. Oh, okay. It is, the lines are red. The lines are blue. This race was boring. Mercedes won two. Because it was, was a boring race. Mercedes got a one-two finish. And Circuit Paul Ricard has a bunch of these weird-ass lines going around the uh, going around the track. That was beautiful, Wyatt. That was just touching. So, anyway, what was the second thing that came off the board? Uh, Josh predicted that the Brewers would be ahead of the Cubs in the National League Central standings uh, on to this 
Monday, today, when we're recording, uh, as White said, the Cubs have a half a game lead. So for that, Josh could say, nah. Uh, that is all that came off the board. So Kyle, would you like to lead us off with the write that down prediction that I almost did? Almost claimed that one before you, but I decided to go with something else instead. Yeah, I I like this one. Obviously, nobody can predict what an NBA player where they're going to go based on what money they want. But my prediction this week is that Kawhi Leonard will return to the Toronto Raptors. Mm, double? What do you think, Kawhi? Single, double? Not a I'd single. Say it, I'd say it at least Probably has to a be double. a double because it's a 50-50 chance. All yeah, right, we'll give that's you kind a, of what we'll, I was thinking. We'll give you a double for that. Yep. That sounds good to me. What do you got, Mike? All right, my prediction is that um, because even though the MLB did uh, tweak their all-star start, uh, how all-star starters are selected, it's still done by a fan vote. And because of that, um, the Yankees have the biggest fan base. So even if the players don't necessarily deserve it, the Yankees will have at least two all-star starters, have at least two all-star starters. Hmm. Um, just as a fun fact, they had eight players make the um, final voting that will happen this week. So they had eight players that are eligible to be starters. I'm saying at least two of them will be there. One at every position with the exception of DH. So seven, size seven, because you don't vote on pitchers. Mm-hmm. So catcher, first, second, third, short, and the outfield. And, yeah. Mm. Probably. Mm. I don't want to say that either. Wait, no, it's actually six. I miscounted. They just have six. So they only have six total, or six six, six total that are eligible to be started. Gotcha. gotcha. The four infield positions: catcher and one in that the is, outfield. That doesn't change my opinion that much. Um, but I don't know. What do you think, Kyle? I'm kind of. Uh... I mean. Ooh. Fooled ya. Don't know what to do now. Just give me a home run and we'll call it good. No, definitely not a home run. Just because you asked for a home run, I'm gonna knock that off the board. I mean it's not gonna be a home run. There's no, no it's way. not it does not it's not a home run. run. It's not uh, that ish. But it's still I, I'm kind of uh, I keep circling back towards a double, but I don't know. I think double. Alright, we'll take yeah. that. All right, we'll take double. All right, Wyatt, what do you got for us? So I have a Formula One run again this week, and it's that Lando Norris, uh, one of the drivers from McLaren, will get a podium finish this season. For some background information, Lando Norris is the third youngest driver to ever race in F1. Um, He's, I'm pretty sure, the youngest driver on the grid at the moment. Not totally for sure on that. McLaren hasn't even had a podium finish since 2014. There is... No way that's actually happening. This is one of my way out there outlandish predictions I don't think is ever going to happen. Um, Lance Stroll and Max Verstappen are the only two other drivers that are younger than Landon Norris when they started F1, and they're both older than him at the moment, so that would, I mean, implicitly make him the youngest driver on the grid. McLaren is doing really well the past few races, but I don't see this holding up. That's my background information. You guys kind of decide upon this. If you have questions, let me know. Triple a home run. What do you think, Kyle? Should we just give him a home run? All right, we'll give him a home run. It's we'll give not him the benefit happen. of the doubt. Hope that if you if you are uh, pulling it's the wool over our eyes there, and he's actually better no than way. we think he is. He's, he did finish what? He's eighth fantastic. in this most recent race. 
Uh, he did pretty good. He also got driver of the day. He had a really good drive for as boring of a race as that it was. Okay. Um, but there's if if he makes if he makes a podium finish, I'll eat my hat. I don't right. wear a hat, but I'll wear a hat and I'll eat it. All right. You're um, gonna eat a hat. <laughs> I will. We'll live stream it. So do right. you have anything from Josh? No, before we started, I messaged him, and uh, he asked how much time he had to come up with a prediction, and I gave him a time, and he didn't have one, and then I messaged him again to ask if he had one after that time, and he just said, nah. So we don't have a <laughs> prediction from Josh today. Feels bad because the Cubs are winning so well. That's not entirely true either. Oof, that. But since all three of us have a prediction in, and Josh isn't here to put a prediction in, that means that we are at the end of the accountability session and therefore the end well we've been at the end of the accountability session for a while the end of the write that down prediction section which also means we are at the end of the episode thank you so much for listening to episode 36 of the 8311 cast if you have any questions comments or concerns on the podcast or want to just drop us a line hit us up on 8311cast.fireside.fm slash contact signing off for the 8311 cast we have your hosts Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. Check us out on Instagram at 8311cast. We'll see you next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.